a family, uh, mum and dad and uh, a few children, and they were running around uh, their yard, uh, very excited. And I, I could tell in just a, a second that they were uh, doing an Easter egg hunt. And uh, I love to see uh, excited people and especially children. But I just couldn't help thinking as I drove by, I, I thought how sad it would be if that is the extent of the excitement for that family about Easter. Now look, I don't know the family. They might be Christians, they might be in church now. Uh, but, but I just had that thought, wow, if, if that's all that we know about Easter, how sad that is. Because we should be excited about Easter. Are you excited this morning? Are you excited about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? I can see lots of nods and smiles, so I hope we are. Well, look, I, I hope that by the end of this sermon, we might even be maybe just that little bit more excited as well as we have a look at the wonders of the resurrection. Now, just before we go to the resurrection, let us briefly reconnect with the Good Friday message because you can't have a resurrection without first having a death. Otherwise, there's no meaning to it. Now, in our mind, we need to have an understanding of the cross and the events surrounding the cross and the suffering of Jesus so that we know the price that Jesus paid to bring us to the new life that we are celebrating today. We need to understand our own sinfulness and the punishment that we deserve so that we turn from our sin to the Lord and that we firmly believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus bore our sin and the punishment that we deserve so that God's wrath can be turned aside. Now for me, and I mentioned this on Good Friday, when I read about the suffering of Jesus, when I read about the cross, uh, there's a real sadness because of the cost uh, that there was to Jesus. But in complete contrast, the picture and memory of the resurrection of Jesus is a most pleasant one. And we read about that this morning in that first text that we had, Luke chapter 24. And it's good for us to read and remember the account of Jesus' resurrection. The stone rolled away. The empty tomb the grave clothes lying there, the angels, the dear women at the empty tomb, John and Peter running as hard as they could to the empty tomb to see for themselves. A new day, sunrise, a blue sky and sunshine on this most glorious of days. It's good for all those images to be in our mind so that we can be encouraged and rejoice in the victory that Jesus had over sin and death. We remember Jesus' resurrection and know that we are raised to life in him. We rise from death to eternal life. 
We were dead in our sins, but now we are alive in Christ. And when Christ comes again, we will receive a new body for eternal life. Can I read from John Piper? He's a well-known pastor and teacher and an author. He, he says this, and I'll quote him exactly. If you belong to Christ by faith, you will receive a resurrection body like his resurrected body, which will be suited to see him and enjoy him and enter finally into the new heavens and the new earth where you will spend eternity admiring God in all that he has made. And this world that we love so much compared to that one will be like a candle compared to the sun. Because of the cross and resurrection, instead of death and separation from God, we are ushered into a new life. And the benefits of that new life begin right now. And I mentioned this on Good Friday and I just want to briefly mention again some of the benefits that we already enjoy right now. We are made whole. We are spiritually alive. We are forgiven. We are in a beautiful, intimate relationship with God. The righteousness of Jesus is now our righteousness. We have peace with God. We have inner joy. We have the Holy Spirit and the Word to guide our life. We have identity in Christ. We have worthiness. We have purpose and we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I've heard on occasion people sometimes say, oh, I find Christianity boring. But look at the wonders of what we already have and enjoy right now. But it doesn't end there. There is also that future outworking of our salvation that is kept as an inheritance, that is kept in heaven for us. And it hasn't happened yet. It will happen when Christ comes again in glory and honour and power. Jesus, when he was addressing the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish ruling council. Now picture this, Jesus is there on trial, it's a mock trial of course. Jesus is there before the Jewish ruling body and he's about to go uh, and, and, and have the suffering and, and all the way to the cross and listen to what he says to the Jewish ruling council and we read it in Matthew 26. He says, but I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So at the time, the very time, the hour of Jesus' suffering on earth, he is pointing those Jewish ruling elders to the second coming to his glorious coming. Isn't that amazing? He's not preaching to them about the cross. He's already looking beyond that and he's pointing them towards that time when he's going to come back again to the earth upon the clouds. Jesus wants us to see that there is more 
to just what is happening to us right now as we sit here at Cornerstone. As good as it is with all the spiritual blessings that we have, but God wants us to know that there is more. There is much, much, much more. When I went through school, especially high school, I I couldn't say that I hated school, but I couldn't say that I loved it either. I was a passionate young Christian and in a public school, and I can tell you it was very hard to find other passionate Christians. You you were in the in-group if you sat on the far end of the oval smoking cigarettes, hiding from the duty teacher. But if you, if you had a love for the Lord and you wanted to live the right way, it's very hard to find a friend. So what I used to do, I used to look forward to the fact that I, I thought soon I'll be working and I'll earn money and, and I'll be out of this school system. Little did I know that working isn't all that uh, you know, I was expecting it to be either. But nonetheless, I was looking forward to something else. Can I just quote John Piper just one more time today? We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, is alive today, and he's coming again to save his people and to rule the world, and we build our lives around this reality. That's very powerful for us. Our lives as believers It's not just built about what we're experiencing now, but we build it around the reality that Jesus Christ is coming back again and he has an inheritance for us that is kept in heaven. We live now, but we look forward to a new reality. And if you think this present life is miserable, you can look forward to something far better. It's a comfort for us. If you're sitting here today and and inside you're just feeling really miserable or you're hurting or you're suffering and you're thinking, wow, my life isn't too good, then be comforted by the fact that there is something far, far better that awaits you. God is holding it for you in the heavenlies. Your inheritance, it is coming for you. Be comforted by that. And if you're here today thinking, wow, life is absolutely um, fantastic right now. Maybe you've met a, you know, you're a fellow and you've met a a lovely young lady and you're thinking, wow, life's looking good. Or, Or you're a lovely lady and you've met this wonderful fellow and, You know, everything looks fantastic. That is a great thing and enjoy life. Enjoy it. It's a blessing of God. But know this, and I'm going to use that saying, I think they say this anyway, you ain't seen nothing yet. As wonderful as your life might seem now, and that's a great blessing, but it is going to be, your future is going to be even far, far, far greater than that. The resurrection of Jesus is absolutely monumental because of the spiritual blessings it brings us now and even more so what is awaiting for us. 
Imagine the future when we die and we are immediately ushered into paradise with Jesus. Remember, that's what Jesus promised to the repentant criminal who died at his side. He said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And we can hold on to that, that if we are to die, say if we were to die today, and obviously we hope not, but if we were, we would immediately find ourselves in paradise with the Lord. And at Jesus coming again, we will receive a new resurrection body and be ushered into a future of perfect bliss. And I find it so sad that there are just so many people who think that Easter is inconsequential. It's a crazy story that crazy people talk about. Or perhaps they don't even think that far because the message of Easter really for so many doesn't even rate a mention. It is all about chocolate eggs and chocolate bunnies and going away and having a few days of, uh, uh, off work. But let us look at how great the resurrection truth is by briefly having a look at that second text that we had a look at today. And also I'm going to leapfrog into Revelations as well. Now, you're probably thinking if you come to Cornerstone all the time, you'd be aware that normally we tend to just take one passage and and work through it almost verse by verse. But uh, occasionally, even us Presbyterian ministers were allowed to do a topical Uh, sermon. (laughs) And that's what I'm doing today because I just really want us to have a look at the resurrection and and we just need to go to a few different passages just to see the wonders of what this means for us. In that second text, 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to God should be our life. And today especially, it is time to praise God for the resurrection and all that it means for us. So let's put those uh, next couple of verses together, three and four. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And in Revelations chapter 21, I just want to go here a little bit and remember that Revelation, it's the visions that the disciple John had. And and it's a little bit hard for us sometimes to grab a hold of it because John is seeing visions of the heavenlies and things that await us. And so for us, it's a little bit hard to grapple. But I believe God has just given us enough to give us a taste and a foreknowledge of the things that he has for us. So as best as we can, let's have a look at this and see what we can glean from it. In Revelations chapter 21, verse 1, John in the vision said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible talks about the fact that God is going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. What is your picture of heaven? 
What is your picture as you look forward to what awaits you in the future when Jesus Christ comes back again? I've seen pictures of, um, I think they're done just for tiny little children and they're trying to depict what eternity might look like. And you have this little white fluffy cloud just all on its own in this blue sky and there all by themselves is a little person dressed in a white robe with angel's wings playing a little harp. Now, I'm not sure if that's a really good image of what eternity is going to be like. And I don't think it is all that motivational. Now, don't get me wrong, I love clouds. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love going out and looking at them. I think they're amazing. I love going up in an aeroplane and then you look back down on them. And, And little white clouds, I haven't got a problem with them. But nonetheless, I'm sort of thinking, well, if all of my eternity, that's forever and ever and ever, I'm just sitting there on this little white coat all on my own, (laughs) dressed in a white robe, and I'm really not too sure about that, (laughs) playing a harp. Now, I love harps. There's a guy, a Christian guy, who plays the harp down at Richmond on the weekends, and it's beautiful. I love it. And I wish I could play the harp, so maybe that would be a benefit. But still, to sit there on this cloud all on my own with my little wings and white robe, playing this tiny harp forever and ever, if that is eternity, I don't know whether I'm terribly motivated by that. And and I can't help but think the people who wander away from the Lord Do they not have a picture of eternity beyond maybe something like that? Because obviously whatever they're thinking is not terribly motivational if they're willing to turn their back on it. But friends, let us have a look today that that eternity with the Lord is way, way more than that picture. We will be living in a new heaven and a new earth with other people and with God. Revelations chapter 21, verse 2. Again, the vision that John had. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. So we see that there are people there. There are the righteous ones who will be there. We're not just going to be there on our own. But even more importantly, God is going to be dwelling with us. And listen, if you are one of those people I mentioned before and you're suffering now in your life, you know, for whatever reason... If you're like King David in the Old Testament in the Psalms and you weep into your pillow at night, listen to what awaits. In verse 4 of Revelations, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Can I insert you into that? Because it's talking about the believers. It's talking about where we are going to go. God will wipe every tear from your eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. If you are hurting, take some comfort from the future that awaits you. If you are lonely, if you are oppressed, if you are struggling with self-worth and identity, if you are tired from the battle of life, if you are suffering illness, take comfort from the future that awaits you. Now, we want you fixed up now. And we work for that. And we pray for that. But also take comfort from the fact that there is a future that awaits you that will release you from all the turmoil and all the suffering and all the trauma that you might be going through now. And that is a comfort that God wants us to take to heart. Have a look at this. John now talks about the new Jerusalem. And again, as I read this, it's a little bit hard. I try and get my thinking about what this will look like. And it's really difficult. But God's just giving us enough to say, hey, this is going to be absolutely amazing. The new Jerusalem, the wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Friends, we're not just going to be sitting on a little fluffy cloud. We're going to have a new earth, a new Jerusalem, that is just going to be absolutely stunning, beyond really what we can even begin to comprehend. Verse 25 of Revelation 21, On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There is going to be activity, glorious activity in the heavenlies. If people think, oh, wow, this eternity sounds a bit boring, it's not going to be boring. There is going to be incredible activity. The gates of Jerusalem are going to remain open. The glory of the nations are going to be brought into it. There will be a coming and there will be a going to enter the presence of the Lord. Revelation 22, verse 3, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. 
What an amazing picture this is. And it's our future. It's the inheritance that God has for us kept in heaven until the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our future. And you know, for me, I, I sort of imagine, you know, because it's hard to imagine a city that just looks like that. And, and, the, and the, the light, the glory of God is going to light the world not the sun and the moon, the glory of God. And I'm just trying to picture the, the almost pure, brilliant light. But you know the thing that really gets me is the fact that it says there, the servants will serve him and they will see his face. I don't know how really it's going to work out in the sense of, you know, when for the first time do we see God? But, but I sort of imagine, you know, imagine walking through this city, this amazing city, and you're walking through it and you're thinking, wow, you know, it's incredible. And the light and the purity and, and, and it, it's just amazing to think about it. But you know what I think about? I can imagine walking down a road and thinking, oh, I wonder when I'll turn the corner if I'm going to look upon God, look upon the Father and the Lamb. And you get to the corner and you turn around, oh no, no, he's not there. But you keep walking in anticipation and you go around another corner, oh no, he's not there. But you just know that soon I'm going to be looking upon the Lord. You see, that's what motivates me. More so than, you know, the, the, the new heaven, the new earth, as wonderful as it will be, and I'm sure I will be utterly amazed but it's actually waiting to see the Lord. The God, the great creator who made the heavens and the earth, the God who so loved us that he beyond our understanding can actually come himself to die upon the cross for us. I often look at people in a crowd and I think, God, why do you bother with us? I wouldn't. But he does, he loves us so much. And I've walked with the Lord since I was 13 years old when I absolutely committed my life to, to Jesus passionately. I've walked with the Lord and I'm not going to tell you how many decades I have walked with the Lord, but a long time. And, and I just can't wait for that time when I'm actually going to be able to look upon the Lord. Well, that's the draw card for me. As great as our life is going to be in the world, but actually to look upon the Lord. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 5, our second text today, it says, it's talking about us as Christians, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God protects us and keeps us for the full outworking of our salvation. He's the author and finisher of our faith. If we are a genuine believer, we will not fall away. Yes, sometimes we see some people wander or they might get a little bit weak and have wobbly knees and struggle a little bit with their faith. But God will bring them back and that's why we pray for them. 
In Romans 8, uh, verse 30, it says, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. God has got a hold of us and he doesn't just want us to see the here and now, but he wants us to know that he's holding us for something far far greater an eternity spent with him. And in verse 6 of 1 Peter 1, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though for now, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We've got great rejoicing, even though we now suffer, suffer trials. And this strengthens our life. The tough times now that we have are tempered by something that we are looking forward to. Do you look forward to holidays sometimes? I do. Um, sometimes we sit there and we start to make our travel plans. We book accommodation and the airfares and we start to think about the holiday and I find that time terrible because all of a sudden I think, I want to go. I want to go now. We're booking for six months ahead, but I want to go now. I'm so looking forward to the holidays. But friends, what awaits us is going to be the greatest holiday of all. If you like to travel and go off on a trip, the trip that awaits us is by far going to be the greatest trip of all. In verse 8 it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And we love the Lord. That is our life. We love the Lord. He loves us and we love him. We are in a love relationship with the Lord. It's the one love relationship you, 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 or special one you're allowed to have outside of your marriage and outside of your family. It doesn't matter what else is going on. We have a beautiful love relationship with the Lord. He's our first love and our most important love. And then it says we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Friends, we rejoice in him and we should be rejoicing today and we should be excited about the resurrection wonders. And then finally in verse 9, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That salvation has already begun now with all the blessings that I mentioned before of forgiveness and righteousness and peace and love and walking with the Lord. But then secondly, if we were to die today, we would be ushered into paradise with the Lord. And then thirdly, when Jesus Christ comes again, we will receive a new resurrection body like his resurrection body and we will live in this new heaven and this new earth with the Lord forever. The Apostle Paul said, if we are mature, this is what we look to. And in Philippians chapter 3, he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Young and old, it doesn't matter where you fit in into God's kingdom, this is what we are meant to have our eyes on. All that God has for us, the inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, how do we express in words thankfulness for the wonders that await us? The inheritance that you keep for us in heaven seems beyond our understanding. And yet you have shown us enough that we look forward to it and we long for it. May our resurrection inheritance bring comfort to those who are hurting and sorrowful. May our inheritance inspire our young people to be a force for good as they seek to bring the good news message to their friends. May our elderly be overjoyed at this new chapter that awaits us. May our families delight together around the meal table as they share devotions about eternity spent with Jesus. We are so thankful and we pray in the name of our risen Lord Jesus. Amen.